Basically, what I live for is, <clears throat> is not handwriting. My daughter pointed out to me this morning, you know, at least the other guys, they could read their handwriting. Um, but sort of uh, starting with uh, a, a story, and, and those that were in the first service, well, unfortunately, I guess for them, missed the story. But it... Uh, it came to mind as, as Randy was talking about this sort of uh, uh, metamorphosis that we've uh, gone through over the last several months. Well, as many of you guys know, uh, Jennifer and I went to college with Randy and Cindy and with Nathan and with the, the Pauls and with a bunch of people uh, that are here. And suffice it to say that the, the crowd that I hung around with was not the same crowd that Randy hung around with. Um, and I will let you fill in the blanks on that. But fast forward now, uh, almost 30 years later, uh, Randy obviously had started CIV and my family had been back in Virginia uh, for uh, a number of years and uh, God brought us back to California again. And one of the first things that we did was we were able to get together for dinner with uh, Randy and Cindy and three or four other couples that we'd gone to school with. <clears throat> and as we were uh, waiting to go out uh, to the restaurant, we were uh, sitting in a friend's house, and I happened to be sitting by Randy, and we were uh, you know, talking about you know, catching up, talking about what had happened in the uh, well, probably for us in the last 25 years or so. And uh, my family had an opportunity uh, to help plant a Hope Church in Virginia. And so, we, you know, we knew a lot of people uh, in common. And as I was explaining essentially to Randy what we had done over the last nine years, I could just see this dumbfounded look on his face because, honestly, he, he might disagree with this. Uh, but after our experience at Cal Baptist, I'm not sure Randy was even convinced I was a Christian. <laughs> and so, uh, and the reason I tell that story is to just bring it full circle, is that uh, uh, God does have a sense of ironic humor. Uh, so anyway, I wish that uh, in, in retrospect, I wish I would have been first, instead of last. Uh, and I think that that's often the case in series like this. What really, uh, I think, probably touched me uh, as, as much in, as anything, I, you know, I really appreciated the openness and the honesty of the guys who shared before me. Uh, and we listen to their stories. We listen to uh, really what excites them and what gets them up in the morning. And uh, it makes me feel very secure that, you know, these guys are our A-team. These guys are advising our pastor and really guiding our church. And I think that over the last several weeks, we can all go to sleep knowing that we're in very, very good hands. Certainly we're in God's hands, but God has given us, I think, some great leaders. And for the guys who came before me, I really want to say thank you. Also, something that we all have in common or a common thread in all of our stories is that they're still unfolding. Uh, 
Our lives are still happening. God is still working uh, with us in our lives. None of the guys who shared before either said or would say that they've arrived. Uh, We all know that we continue to be works in progress as God continues to work in each of our lives. My story can really be summed up, I think, in one phrase, and that phrase is God is faithful. God is faithful. Uh, We all go through ups and downs. We all experience rough seasons in our lives, and the longer we've lived, the more ups and downs we experience. You just have to look at me to know and understand that I've been around the block more than a few times. Uh, But even though I have been around the block, I still have need of a map. Although I probably uh, should, you know, say in today's technology, a GPS, a God's positioning system. Uh, But as, 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 as much as we experience in our life, the one thing that, uh, you know, comes to me over and over and over again is the, the faithfulness of God. Early on in my Christian walk, you know, even early on in my adulthood, when times were good, when the job was good, when the family was good, uh, my relationship with God tended to not be quite as vibrant as it could be. Uh, unfortunately, during those early years, oftentimes I turned to God only when I couldn't solve things on my own. Um, and even then, and, and, and I think some of you probably uh, resonate with this, I would convince myself that that was okay because, well, God is busy and other people have a lot bigger problems than I do and I really don't want to bother him with this. When in truth, I really wanted to try to solve things on my own. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that I'm better off if I'm always depending on God, whether times are good or uh, times are, are something less than where we would like them to be. As I continue to be or try to be more consistent in my uh, relationship with God, whether things are up or whether things are down, when things don't go well, I find now I don't have to constantly reintroduce myself to God. It's not that I have to uh, tell him who I am, because he certainly knows who I am. But often I have to reintroduce myself and allow him back into my life, not because God has forgotten me, but because in the good times I've neglected God. And I'm really trying to do better at that. A couple of verses have really been helpful uh, in uh, soothing my fears as we go through more difficult times, uh, times when my faith might be stretched. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The first part of that verse is just so incredible to me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Believe it or not, we limit God 
as we try to fit him into our plans, uh, as we try to uh, convince ourselves that the direction that we're going or the thing that we're doing uh, is right because the world might think it's so. As we live a life of faith, as we exercise the faith that's God, that God has given all of us to use, I've certainly found uh, that God is ready and willing and able to do, again, not only more than I ask for, because, you know, my vision stops at the wall. God can see everything. But more than I can even imagine, what a joy it is to serve a God like that, who not only has the power and the ability to do those things, but also the desire to do those things. And and as you'll see, uh, as I continue on, there are just so many instances, so many occurrences in our lives where uh, God has just so far exceeded our expectations that we couldn't even believe it. My family growing up weren't Christians. Um, they weren't against Christianity. They weren't against the church. But that wasn't their thing. That wasn't really uh, what they did. Um, as a kid, uh, we weren't even Christmas and Easter churchgoers. My dad uh, was in the Navy, uh, and so we moved around a little bit. Uh, as I was younger, my father was overseas, and we hadn't joined him yet. And for some reason, uh, my mom and, and some of her sisters decided it would be a good thing for us to, to go to church. And so we went, and uh, you know, church then was you know, really much different than it is now. Everybody was all dressed up in their suits and ties and all that sort of thing. And the, the congregation rose to sing this hymn. And I think much to uh, my mother's consternation and shock, I began singing at the top of my lungs an old song called Hail, Hail, the Gang's All Here. Because I had no frame of reference. I really didn't know any better. They were singing. I was going to sing as well. Maybe that's why we didn't go back to church. (laughs) Certainly why we didn't go back to that church. My dad uh, was an alcoholic. Um, We were fortunate as a family that his alcoholism uh, didn't show itself in violence. Uh, you know, he, he was never mean or unkind to my mom, my sister, or myself. He just, I had a hard time keeping a job. And, uh, you know, things were tough. He, we, you know, because of that, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we just really didn't know uh, what would happen when he was around. I was an athlete. In high school, certainly not near the athlete that Neil was. You just have to look at us to tell the difference. He's shaking his head no, but he said, yes, inside. (laughs) But, you know, one of the dreams of a kid is to have your dad come and, you know, and cheer for you uh, and all that when you're on the playing field. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, I often wish my dad didn't come because I didn't know. What would happen? I didn't know if something that would, you know, something that would embarrass me would happen. And that probably wasn't the, 
the healthiest position on on my part, but that's really the way that I felt that I did love my dad. Uh, and, and we did understand that, uh, that he did have a sickness, and unfortunately, um, it took his life about almost 20 years ago at the age of 57. He was a very young man, uh, and, you know, and that was a difficult time as well. But when I was in about sixth grade, we were living in, in, uh, in North San Diego in Vista, and some neighbors uh, took me under their wing and, and invited me to church. And so I went, and uh, my parents, although they weren't interested in going, uh, encouraged me to do so. And as I went to church with them, and as I hung out with them at their homes, uh, you know, these, these were not people who pulled out their Bibles and uh, their tracts and taught me about the four spiritual laws and things like that. They didn't preach at me. But they invited me into their lives. Uh, I watched how they interacted with each other, how mother and father interact, uh, interrelated. I watched how the parents related to the kids. And, you know, I, th- I thought, this is really, this is really cool. This is something that I wish that I had for myself. Uh, you know, I really longed for the love that their families had. Now, you know, I mean, our, our, you know, we didn't yell and scream and fight, but we didn't have that love that these other families uh, had. Uh, I don't remember anybody trying to push me towards God. Uh, the way they showed God's love for me was just by the way they lived their lives. Uh, in John's Gospel, the 13th chapter and the, 30, the 35th verse, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will really know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And let me tell you, that spoke much more loudly than words could ever speak, that these people did have the love of God in their life, and they weren't afraid to share it with me, and that they took the time to invest in me uh, just really changed my life. Uh, at the age of 13, uh, I received Christ into my life uh, as my boss. And uh, it's been very, you know, getting very close now to 50 or 41 years ago. 51 years, woo. Uh, but about 41 years ago. Uh, and although I haven't been perfect those 41 years, I've never been sorry that I turned my life over to Christ. You might guess over, the, over that period of time, many, many people uh, have had a profound example on my life. Uh, the youth director in my church, my home church, growing up, like myself, uh, was an athlete. He played uh, college football, and uh, he sort of doubled as a hero for me. And Craig just really poured himself into, into not only myself, but a bunch of the guys uh, in our youth group to the point that... Uh, Literally every Friday night and Saturday night, we spent the night in his apartment. You know, and there might be at some point, you know, 15, 16, 17 guys uh, crashed there. But that just tells you uh, about uh, the kind of guy Craig was. And again, Craig wasn't one to pound the Bible at you, but he showed God's love through the way he invested his life in me. 
Um, I was also really blessed upon graduating from from college. Uh, though I spent about 30 years in the home building business, unfortunately this continues to age me because I had a life before the home building business, uh, and that was in local government. Uh, my first boss uh, was a Christian man uh, who didn't wear his Christianity on his sleeve, but there were undertones of his faith in everything that he did. And this now uh, goes back to uh, 1977, my relationship with him. And when I have a major career decision, I still call Bob. This 30, you know, 30 plus years later, he still has played a, a, a very important role in my life. And as I, as I continue, there are a couple proverbs that really talk about the importance of choosing people. Think about that, choosing the people that you want in your life. Uh, in Proverbs 8, verse 33, wisdom is talking, sort of wisdom personified. And wisdom is saying, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. A little further along, Proverbs 13, verse 20 tells us, he who walks with him, or excuse me, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Be intentional who you choose to associate with. Because one thing that I can guarantee is that they will have an impact on your life. It might be positive or it might be negative. But don't let your group of, of friends uh, happen by accident. Choose those people that you want to be around. And uh, for those of you maybe who are a little bit younger, find somebody that can be a mentor to you. Find somebody uh, who would be willing to invest part of their lives with you. Don't find somebody who's available. But find somebody who has the qualities that you want built into your life. And, and work with them, and that along uh, with your relationship with God will take you a long ways. Another person who really had a profound effect in my life was, uh, and, and this is, again, sort of, sort of strange, but as you can see, I'm sort of strange. Uh, a man by the name of Frank Jacobson. I met Frank exactly one time and spoke with him for less than 30 minutes. But the few things that he said to me uh, probably did as much to shape my life as any other person. Frank was the executive producer for a motion picture company called Worldwide Pictures. And for some reason, I had decided it would be a good idea to apply for a job with him. You know, why, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of experience doing that sort of thing. But it was uh, Billy Graham's, essentially his uh, film producing arm in those days. And so I sent in a letter and an application, and surprise of all surprises, I got a response back and invited me in for an interview. And not only an interview, but an interview with the number one guy in the organization, the executive producer. Now, looking back, I know it was God 
working in my life, but at the time I just thought I was pretty special. <laughs> that wouldn't last very long. Uh, I was called into his office and um, we chatted for a few minutes like you do in the beginning of an interview. And then he essentially asked the only job-related question that he asked in the entire interview. And that was, you know, why do you want to work here? And, you know, being the clever guy that I am, I had thought about this. uh, And I had scripted, you know, what I thought to be a pretty much infallible answer. You know, I thought, well, you know, at the time uh, I was working uh, at a a very early version of of Greg Fuller's uh, All-American Home Center, but the North San Diego version. And I worked in the lumber department and... Uh, and I was pretty much the low man on the totem pole, and so you know, I didn't think too much about my job and, and that type of thing. And so I told this very powerful man, well, I think that God can use me more on a stage where, you know, millions of people might be reached over my little contribution to, uh, to this particular film that they were working on. You know, I think that, that, that God can use me in a greater way. And... He looked at me and he said, son, I hate it when somebody calls me son. Because you know what's coming after, it's not going to be good. (laughs) He said, until you're comfortable where God places you, until God is using you where you are, he will never move you to someplace else. So that taught me Uh, At the age of about 20, be satisfied where you are. Be satisfied with what you've got. And not only that, but look for opportunities to minister in the lumber department of, you love the name of this, Happy Hammer. (laughs) But it, it made a big impact on my life. And I went back to my job with, you know, a whole different outlook on life. And then finally, you know, sort of saved the best for last, that my wife Jennifer continues to be a huge impact on my life and have a big impact on my spiritual growth. Uh, Jennifer is gifted in a much different way than I am. Uh, Around the office not too very long ago, uh, we all took a little battery of spiritual gift tests, and uh, the one thing I found out was, I, get, I think I'm the black sheep on the staff, because my gifting is very, very different than everybody else's. And gifts that you would think that somebody on a church staff would have aren't on my radar. Uh, the Jennifer has lots of gifts, but, but most importantly, her, her, her two gifts of faith and giving. Um, and as we've gone through difficult times in our lives, the way that she has modeled faith to me has really made it much, much easier for me to accept that kind of faith. I'm, I'm not a faithful person uh, by nature. Uh, one of the reasons I think I probably went and got my graduate degree in apologetics was because I need to know answers. Jennifer's different. She, she doesn't need that. She just knows that God is going to provide. And not only does she have a great gift of, of faith that's really guided me a lot, she has a wonderful gift of giving. I don't know that I know anybody who likes giving 
away stuff as much as Jennifer does. Uh, and her example of, has, has, gave, has made giving a real joy for me, even when the circumstances don't dictate that we should be giving. And so those are really some uh, real major influences in my life. Being a Christ follower doesn't exempt us from experiencing the pressures of life, but it does give us the tools to overcome and deal with these normal sequences of life. Uh, there's a verse that's sort of been my life verse, if you will, uh, in Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter. We find Jesus about halfway through his ministry, and his focus is changing uh, from sort of an outward focus to more inward and preparing his disciples for what's going to be coming uh, for his ultimate arrest in his, uh, his, his beating and his crucifixion, death, and ultimately his, his resurrection. So he knew that what was coming, because he was God, he knew what was coming was going to be tough. But in Luke 9.51, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Uh, the version that I memorized the verse in said, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, even though he knew it was going to be tough, even though he knew it was going to be difficult. He knew that his father was going to continue to be with him. And so I've, tried, I've, I've really sort of chosen that uh, as a verse that I want to use to guide my life, even though things might be difficult, even though things, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, which is sort of where we find ourselves right now. As, as Randy said, we don't really know where we're going. We're seeking God. Uh, but we know that God is with us because he's been with us in the past. Uh, almost 20 years ago now uh, was the other time in, in my career that uh, I was a casualty of the economy and lost my job. And uh, at the time, we were living in Virginia, and I was teaching a Sunday, an adult Sunday school class, and we were having a party a couple weeks after I'd lost my job. And a couple of the, of the guys in the class came up to me and said, you must be scared to death. How are you dealing with this? Uh, and I thought for a second. I said, you know, I've been teaching about God all my life, all my adult life. And God says that he will provide. God says that he will be faithful. And right now we're choosing to accept God at his word. And, and I'm just going to believe that what... The, what the Bible says is true. Little did I know that about nine months laid before us, uh, much of which I was separated by a continent from the family. Uh, I was away from home for about seven months working in California while uh, Jennifer had two small kids and was trying to sell our house in Virginia. Um, and at one point in time between us, we had less than a dollar. But the pantry was never empty. The gas tank was always full. If something happened to Jennifer's car, somebody was always there to fix it. And, just, and God just proved over and over and over again, not that things are going to be easy, but that I'm walking beside you and that I'm going to be faithful to you 
You've stood on that promise, and I think that's what God wants us to do, is understand his promises and then import them into our lives and stand on them and say, God, you said you were going to be faithful. And guess what? He was faithful. And when there's so many other instances in our lives where um, we could tell that, that same story, and as we're going right now, uh, we're really seeking what God wants us to do in our lives. And, and I was hoping, I think, partially by being the last person to speak, uh, that God would re- resolve some things in our lives so that I you know, had a positive, happy story to tell. Well, I still have a positive, happy story. It's just not finished yet. Uh, and so uh, the excitement continues. And, you know, God, if you're listening, <laughs> it'd be good to be done with this. But what does that, you know, what does my heart race for? Uh, what is it that uh, really gets me excited? Uh, you know, I think that, that God makes our heart race about different things in different seasons in life. And if I were talking five years ago, my answer might be different uh, than it is today. I used to get excited about business success and running a large organization and doing things like that, but you know, none of that is very appealing to me anymore. What really gets me excited these days is investing in the lives of others. Um, that's really what... Uh, makes my heart race. Paul uh, tells some friends of his from a church that he started uh, in a little city called Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And that's the hard part. It's easy to answer some questions and and tell somebody what the Bible says. What's hard is for us to invest in people and make them a part of our lives and let them see what difference God has made in our lives. And that's really what Paul is saying here. We cared about you so much. Not only did we come and help you start a church, but we invested our lives with you. And that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what makes my heart beat faster. About three years ago, I left a very, very safe job. As, as Randy was saying, as a, a senior vice president with a Fortune 500 company uh, to go to another smaller company with the challenge of uh, taking uh, a young, bright group of, of, of middle managers and really investing my life in them. Um, and I didn't preach to them. I didn't have a big Bible that sat on my desk. But over time, they began to see that there was something different about me, just as I began to see as I was growing up, something was different about my friends uh, and their families. And so I had the opportunity not only to bring them along as managers and and business people, but to be able to share my life with them to the point that over the years, over these past few years, and, and I, I've been gone almost a year now, I still get calls from them. Uh, not about work-related things, but about personal-related things because they knew that there was something different in my life and because God has 
I think, wired me at this point in time in my life to invest in people. Uh, and, you know, that's really what gets me excited. And, and as I wind down, there's just one more scripture that I want to share with you that for me is a constant reminder that regardless of where we're found, of, of where we are in life, God's in control. He's able to, and he's interested in giving me not necessarily what I ask, but what's best for me. And this little history on the verse, uh, God, long time ago, had promised this guy Abraham that he would be the father of a nation. The irony was Abraham was a, a hundred years old and had never had children. His wife was 90 and they had never had children together. And so it didn't really track logically on how this could be. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, tell us, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was just about as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. God has that same power to invest in your life. It's up to each of us to invite him into our lives so that we can allow him to prove to us that he is able and he is faithful. you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much that uh, you are a personal God, that you're not just off of someplace uh, toying with your creation, but that you have a real desire to to be really involved in everything that we do. And, and, and then your, your, your desire, I think, Father, is to bring us into, or have us bring you into all that we do. Lord, I thank you that uh, you are all-powerful and that you are good and that your desires for us are far beyond what we could ever wish for or even imagine. Lord, my prayer is that as we leave we each look at our lives and and invite you to be a big part of our life lord to be our boss uh, so that we can see your faithfulness father in your name we pray amen